things about it uh, make us smile. The children waving their branches and, uh, and adults that are children at heart that have, have joined them. Some of them actually came along and said, come on, come on, let's, let's process. Others of you looked with a startled and bewildered look on your faces. This is for us. This is a procession. We are reenacting not only visually, but we have a chance to do that with our bodies, with our, with our legs, with our faces, our smiles, what Jesus was doing on that day. It's a procession. It's a parade. It's also a protest. It's a protest. Sometimes that gets um, put off to the side. Sometimes it's a, an essential part of the ministry and the life of Jesus that is, uh, is downplayed because the other parts are so attractive and so exciting. And ultimately, where we'll end up, because the Palm Sunday procession is a foretaste of the things to come, it is a bursting through of our own hope through the ambiguities and through the disappointments of our own life to say, yes, this is going to be real. That this Jesus is going to come and going to rule in might and mercy and justice. He is going to fulfill the longings of God's people and the promises of God through the ages. This will happen. It will be the culmination of all things. But then and there, it was a protest. Evidently, Jesus had made all the arrangements. Maybe he and his disciples had talked about this many, many times, about, uh, about doing this exact thing. Throughout most of their ministry, they had circulated north of Jerusalem in the Galilee territory, small villages and um, lakesides, hilltops, teaching, healing, ministering to people, invited into homes and gathering crowds. And certainly they would go to the festivals in Jerusalem and, and go back to Galilee as other devout Jews would have done so. But throughout the Gospels, especially in, in Mark, we, we see Jesus hushing, hushing the crowds and the disciples. Don't tell people about this. Please don't spread the news. And as it became more and more apparent to so many that he was the Messiah, the promised anointed one that God had, had sent, uh, please, please keep this under your hats. But now, now things are different. Now he is not only coming into Jerusalem and passing out little invitations that he can be found down the road, and he'll be teaching and having seminars and whatever else can happen, like pulling someone out of the tomb. No, no. He decides that he is going to enter as a victorious king. As someone with authority, as someone who is going to claim adulation, as someone who is going to govern, as someone who is going to rule politically, Certainly the people of Jerusalem knew the routine. They maybe had uh, welcomed or feared victorious generals that had came on, on charging white stallions with uh, armored guards and, uh, and stern faces and coming to rule the city. 
come to take whatever would be offered to them and take what wasn't offered to them come to exercise their might and come to display who really was in charge. But maybe also other kings, visiting kings, maybe princes that would be kings, maybe had also come on donkeys. A symbol of peace. A symbol that I come, I come to, uh, to be present with you. I come not to make war, but I, I come to be a part of your people. And Jesus chooses that model. He chooses, chooses that political statement, appropriates it to make his protest. Because part of his protest is against the political structure of his day. Against Rome, against the, the way that, uh, that their authority, against the governor's pilot who had exercised their will, taxed the people into hardship, and also divided the people of Israel with different ranges of authority and obedience to, to the Roman rule. And there was a reaction throughout Israel, and maybe especially in Galilee, pockets of resistance, zealots at the extreme, but but maybe everyone to some degree full of discontent and, and full of uh, dismay that, that their nation, who was God's nation, God's people, now, now is ruled by, by a heathen emperor. Jesus is within that tradition. And scholars now are wondering maybe if what we have in the Gospels is is sort of a literature that is passed through the censors of the Roman Empire, but leaking through it in different ways that he addresses, addresses the political powers or an attitude of, um, I'm bringing in the kingdom of God. He could have chosen other words. He could have said, I, I'm coming to bring the ministry of God. I'm coming to bring the, uh, the movement of God. But no, he says, I'm coming to bring the kingdom of God. King is a political office. And so Jesus comes in political protest. Jesus comes in priestly protest. When he comes, he makes his way to the temple. We don't have that story today, but it's, it's part of our Holy Week um, episodes that, that unfold ostensibly to make sacrifice. But as he comes into the temple, he doesn't do that. He ends up overthrowing the tables of the money changers, creates more chaos, more fuss, so that those who are poor, those who have been denied entrance, those who don't have the currency to buy the, the exact sacrifices that will be made further into the temple can go no further. This is all you can do. And then within all that business there in the outer courts of the temple, corruption 
businesses that were run by the high priest through their merchants to exchange the currency that different pilgrims had for temple currency. You need this coin in order to buy that sacrifice to go into the courts and the places of God. And by the way, you can't go there. After all, the high priest will take that for you. All along the way, barriers. All along the way, commerce. All along the way, deepening layers of corruption. Distances between and within the very people of God. And Jesus overthrows that table and the coins scatter everywhere and the, and the animals and the birds are adding to the chaos. He is doing something in protest. And what did Jesus say? My Father's house will be a house of prayer. You have made it a den of thieves and robbers. Jesus comes in political protest. He comes in priestly protest. He comes in prophetic protest. At the very end of the story that Chuck read for us, the city is in chaos and turmoil because of what is happening with this entry of Jesus, this man from Galilee, and the crowds that he's gathered and the kind of adulation that they're that they're, that they're saying and, and the excitement around there. And they say, who is this? Who is this? The people that know say, this is Jesus, the prophet, the prophet from Galilee, Nazareth. Jesus was doing this in prophetic protest. He was saying, Jerusalem, the whole world, everyone who is watching, who might be reading this for years to come, this is about a larger truth. This is not just about a man on a donkey. This is about, about the, the day of God coming. And this is about the protest to say that things are not right. That this is not pleasing to God. That there needs to be a turning in the people. There needs to be a refining in our, in our worship. There needs to be attention paid to the political rulers that are here in this time, in this age, Jerusalem. That's his prophetic message. And he lives it out in, in, in what he does and what he says and and he lives it out in, in taking on the, the scourge and taking on the burdens, taking on not only adulation, but taking on the resistance to change and taking on the pain of the people and taking on the turmoil without upon himself and suffering and dying. It's protest. So we've been moving these words around here. They were part of our 50th anniversary celebration 
We keep rearranging them, and in Lent we've done that, played with them a little bit. We remember already that triumphal entry. We've been rejoicing, we've been adding to, uh, to our buy-in to that, haven't we? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Can the choir sing any louder than it did? I don't think so. <laughs> and Jerry says, oh yeah, we can. <laughs> Come next Sunday. And we've sung again and again, and the, and the palms were waving, and they came, and, uh, and now they are carpet here up to our altar. Rejoice, rejoice. I feel so great, so wonderful, especially with a, a full stomach of a wonderful brunch. Hosanna, Hosanna. This is what it's going to feel like. In the fulfillment of all things, when God rules purely and directly, when we are known as, as we know Him and as as we see the results of our calls for save us, save us, and he does save us. Eventually, in the end, hallelujah. Sometimes we call that heaven. Sometimes we call that the destination of our faith, First Peter. And then this reach thing, Larry put it there. He could have put it almost anywhere. He could have put it on the corner, reach down and pick up something, I suppose, or reach over there out through the window. But he put it there. We've already talked, maybe that means reach upward toward, toward image of God. Kind of we usually think of it that way because God is beyond our full knowing and uh, also causes us to lift our, our faces, our hands, our face. To greater worship. But what would reach look like on a Palm Sunday that offers us protest? Protest. Certainly our day and age is full of political things to notice. Certainly our day and age is a, is a time of turmoil and, and conflict and a lot of information globally. Just think of the things that have happened this week. I can't keep track of what was this week or the week before. I know that there were innocent Syrian people, many of them children, some of them probably Christians that would have been waving palms today and suffered from chemical warfare. And though there are new appointees in, in the leadership of our, of our new president, I know that there were, there were charges and countercharges and denials. I can't keep track of all the things going back and forth. Can any of you? The negative news sells, doesn't it? And we have been captivated by all the political life of our country and our allies in, in the globe. And a big part of me wants to put it in another room and keep it out of faith, but the Bible has never been like that. It's full of, full of politics. Because it's full of people, and where there are people, there are politics. 
And so, if we're going to reach out of our Palm Sunday protest, maybe we're called to come with new strength and in the hope that fills our rejoicing to say, yes, I am a part of this time and place and, and I want to give myself to issues of mercy and justice. I want to give myself to the things that would, that would strain and break the heart of God. I want to be available for that kind of protest in my, my place, my life. The story is told that during the Depression, there was a judge, one of the poorest sections of a city, maybe it was Chicago, and that is, in his courtroom one day, there, there came before him a woman who had stolen a loaf of bread. And when, uh, when the judge asked, why are, why are you here? And, uh, the prosecutor said, this woman stole a loaf of bread from the grocery store just down the street, and the owner is not going to rescind the charges, and, uh, and she is here to be judged and sentenced. The judge said, well, um, why did you do that? And she said, my daughter is ill and cannot work. My grandchildren have no food. There was nothing in the house. So I went down the street and I took the loaf of bread. And the shopkeeper that was nearby said, yes, she did. She's guilty. And the woman stood there meekly. She had nothing to say. Yes, I did that. The judge looked at the woman, at the shopkeeper, he looked at everyone else in the courtroom, other people that were waiting to be tried on their situations that held both good and bad and mercy and justice. And he looked down at his book and he said, well, I'm sorry you've broken the law and I must find you guilty. And he slammed his gavel. And then he stood up. And he reached into his back pocket with his wallet. And walking around the bench, he took out of his wallet the fine that he had levied, $10. And he paid the bailiff $10. And here is the fine that this woman owes the court and society. Market paid. The bailiff took the money and paid and the judge went back to his bench and still standing and he said, and I find everyone here, everyone here today, 50 cents a person, pay on your way out when your case is settled. 50 cents a person for allowing for allowing a society like this to exist. Because when it comes to the courts of people and politics, we are all innocent and we are all guilty.
reach? What might that look like as we participate in Jesus' priestly protest? Oh, that's church. That's religion. That's God. And we need to pay attention to what are the barriers that we have established from, from preventing people to come and know God. How are the priorities of, of the church, our church, in place to, to prevent the, the fervency of prayer? How is it that, that we are making less attractive the kingdom of God and all that, all that we taste and, and sense in, in, our, in our worship? How can the walls of a building become more porous so, so all the good things that happen here, all the energy that is, that is generated, all the forgiveness that, that we know and, and the freedom that we live in permeates out through the walls into, into our lives and thereby into the world. Jesus was protesting all the barriers between people and God. We celebrate Koch's life today and maybe you've looked at some of the pictures and Maybe you were here yesterday for all the stories that unfolded about, about Koch and the unique shape of her witness. One of the things that emerged again and again, prayer, prayer. She prayed with audacity. Marianne told the story again that, that Koch prayed for everyone. She prayed for the garbage man. She prayed for people in line waiting at the store. She prayed for people that she might, she might meet in the sidewalk. Maybe many of you who have come into the church have been prayed for by Koch. Not even by your own choice. She said, I'm praying for you. She was assertive and aggressive, audacious in prayer. It was an extension of her character and her personality for sure. But it was the way that God had gripped her. One of the favorite sayings that she kept saying, and it became a theme of one of our annual reports several years ago, in us and through us, baby. <laughs> in us and through us, baby. And she would do it with her, with her pointer, and in us and through us, baby. She was talking about the Spirit of God. She was talking about God's presence in us and through us, baby. And she was saying, that is not just so you can feel good. That is not just so you can be forgiven and be made whole. That is so you may be sanctified. So that the prophetic protest of Jesus and his life, you get Jesus, you get that too. So, as the church does its part to welcome and to enable prayer, you pray. You pray in your heart and your mind, but you pray aloud. Read the prayers of other people. Be disciplined in prayer. Push yourself in prayer. Be audacious in prayer. Let that be not only part of the legacy of Koch in your life, but the prophetic protest of Jesus on that day. And finally, the prophetic protest of Jesus political, priestly, prophetic. He came to redeem. He came to make right. He came to restore. 
to fulfill the kingdom of God. He came to be validated with the verse from Zechariah, Here comes your king riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. See, I'm the one. See, that is his credentials. See, I've done all these things in my ministry, and I have given glory to God. And as this day has approached, I've been more and more clear about this has happened, not for my own credit, not for my own votes, not for my political kingdom, but for the glory of God. He acted out in his body. He acted out in his words. He acted out in his silence before Pilate. That's coming up. He acted out in memorable ways. What is God like? What is God's power when we see it? And also the invitation. Prophets were always about inviting Prophets were always about saying, this is the truth, come along with me, what this might look like in our lives. To be prophetic in the ways that we are as a church and in the way that we call our own individual gifts and, and stories and experiences, the development of, of God within each of us and through us, baby. So that in the midst of, of a society that tends to become cynical, in the midst of a society that might be tempted to be more isolated, oh, it's just overwhelming, I don't know what to do, I can't sort it all out. That we are not that way, we do not cocoon, we do not isolate. But we gather even more. To find our hope restored and our energy replenished to find our praises jacked up and larger and coming out of not only our voice but our whole selves, our whole beings in thanksgiving and also in Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Save us not only for safety and success but save us for the fulfillment of our lives. Save us for the trajectory of our lives into the coming of your kingdom. Hosanna. Hosanna. Yes. It's protest. It's a blessed protest. And blessed is the one who comes in protest in the name of the Lord. Amen. We're going to sing 16 and we'll pray. <laughs>